Welcome back to On Call, a podcast from Amerisource Bergen, where we discuss the latest industry information relevant to our GPO member practices. In this episode, a part of our biomarker testing series, I'm joined by Dr. Manish Patel, Director of Drug Development for Florida Cancer Specialists, to talk about the basics of biomarker testing, from identifying common testing approaches to comparing DNA and RNA sequencing. Dr. Patel, can you give us an overview of what biomarker testing is? Yeah, sure. I mean, biomarker testing is a is a general term emphasizing ways to look for genes or proteins that provide information about cancer. You know, it really help characterize alterations in the tumor. It can be DNA, RNA, or protein profiles that are specific to tumors in regards to today's discussion. And how is that different from genomic or genetic testing? So I think biomarker testing, I mean, th- these are all terms that we use in oncology or, or just, so biomarker testing is more of a general term, right? It's an umbrella term, you know, generally when we're talking about testing and generally we, we just consider germline somatic testing as, as parts of biomarker testing. So genetic and genomic testing are part of biomarker testing. Germline testing is uh, more reflecting hereditary situations, right? What gets passed on genetically and in families. Whereas somatic testing is more of an acquired situation. These are things that are present on the tumor cells. And that's the most common type of mutations that we see when we're testing for mutations in oncology. Most of the mutations were found are somatic. These are versus the germline that we also find. And I think you kind of touched on this a little bit, but what does biomarker testing tell you about the patient's tumor? So, you know, every patient, technically, biologically, all these tumors are, are, are very different from one another, even though they could be from the same primary source. So there are therapies out there that target certain mutations that we know some cancer overexpress or that are inherent to that patient's tumor. So it's very targeted type of therapies and testing. And so that's, that's the utility of it. When would you uh, personally recommend a clinician order biomarker testing? So, you know, there's not a exact time because every patient's a little different, right? Every case is a little different and the indications, what's based off from data is different. And so it really depends on the tumor type. So we can have this discussion and it can change for every cancer that we treat. There are some cancers that we order mutation testing, somatic mutation testing early on. Most of the testing is done in the metastatic setting, in the advanced setting. But there are some cancers that we do test earlier on. BRCA is one of them where, you know, is it possible to start some of the patients on PARP inhibitors earlier on? But generally, most of this is done in the metastatic advanced setting. And then when you do it, there's a whole discussion just on that. Do you do it up front? Do you do it when patient's progressing? Generally, we all feel um, that doing it for Progressing metastatic advanced patients is very important. Those patients generally do not have tumors that are curable. And so you're looking for therapies that are out there. Many of them are in clinical trial, but even the ones that are approved, those are often based off of uh, mutation testing or biomarker testing in general terms. So, so yeah, progressing metastatic patients, we all feel should be tested, should be profiled, but there's indications, especially things like lung cancer where we're testing patients up front because uh, there are effective therapies for certain mutations. So to get a little 
uh, more details, can you give us some overview of the different types of biomarker tests that we're likely to use on a regular basis and clinical cases where they may be used? Yeah, sure. So, you know, a lot of testing, there's many different types of testing. So that, that's also a discussion in itself. There's peripheral blood mutation testing. There's tissue-based testing. And within those categories, there's different ways of looking for certain targets. Going back several years, immunohistochemistry, IHC testing, certainly in a type of modality that is used a lot. It's, you know, a faster way of finding certain targets, less expensive. So it's available, prevalent worldwide in terms of being able to test. So it's the quickest way of getting the answer sometimes. So IHC testing is certainly used a decent amount. There's fish testing, fluorescence, in situ hybridization. Most clinicians are aware of fish testing from the breast cancer world, right? Where we're testing HER2 new by fish. Oftentimes, IHC, if there's an intermediate score, the, the fish um, will often delineate if the patient's uh, truly HER2 new positive or not. Um, but you can certainly test many of the targets, including the ones that we routinely test in lung cancer by IHC or FISH. FISH is a little bit, it's more accurate than IHC, but it's not widely available. In the U.S., we're spoiled. And so, you know, we often have access to FISH testing throughout, but it's not something that's readily available everywhere. And it's, it's a more expensive equipment, but certainly chromosomal abnormalities with the leukemics, lymphomas, and then some of the, for example, lung cancer mutations that we target often can be done by FISH. PCR is another way of testing for some of these mutations. Traditionally, we used to use PCR a lot in the infectious disease world, right? For viral copies and so on, but certainly they can be used in oncology. A lot of these, a lot of the, this type of testing is really dependent on what lab service you have access to, right? So, you know, you want to test for ALK, you know, ROS, EGFR and, and the RET and, and so on. But, you know, every group has access to different labs locally and, and they all have their go-to way of uh, testing for these. I think at the end of the day, it's important that as long as they're tested, that's the important thing. You know, obviously the next generation sequencing is being used more and more commonly nowadays that incorporates all of this. It does take longer for those results to come back to next generation sequencing. I mean, next generation sequencing is, you know, basically sequencing millions of small fragments of DNA in parallel. So it's a high throughput sequencing. So previous methods we were talking about are individualized testing, right? You know, want to do a fish for, you know, 1114 chromosomal translocation mantle cell lymphoma, for example. Whereas next generation sequencing, you can test many, many different targets all at the same time. That obviously is even the next, the next level of sophistication and expense and not as readily available to every office. And the results do take longer to return many different ranges there. It could be seven to 14 days, right? And next generation sequencing is, is now more commonly being used to test all of this at once. Sometimes depending on the clinical situation, you can't wait for all those genes to return. For example, lung cancer, before you start somebody on their first line let's say, uh, metastatic therapy, you want to know, are they EGFR mutated, ALK, ROS, before starting therapy, because that could, you know, prevent chemo or immunotherapy to be used. But it depends on the clinical situation. If you have to get a patient going very quickly, you may want to do IHC or FISH testing first for some of those, and then wait for NGS to come back uh, on the rest. But oftentimes we, we order all of it up front. Tissue-based testing has been the gold standard 
for mutation testing, uh, next generation sequencing. But a lot of the more recent evidence does seem to suggest more concordance with peripheral blood testing versus tissue testing. And so it is, it is very common practice now for many clinicians to order peripheral blood testing for mutations for NGS profiles. The turnaround time is very similar. Concordance is, is similar for a lot of targets and you don't need as much tissue, obviously, because it's all peripheral blood, right? One of the difficulties of testing in oncology is you oftentimes don't have enough accessible disease to get enough tissue to test. If you, the patient did not have a surgical specimen or if it's not safe, sometimes it's not enough. And that's, that's often a big problem and a big headache for most clinicians is when you get the testing bag and it says not sufficient tumor. And so peripheral blood does have advantages in that situation. So I think most clinicians would prefer tissue-based testing, but peripheral blood is there as well. And I think, um, if you're, if, especially for lung cancer patients, there are several clinicians out there that will do both. They'll get a peripheral blood NGS testing up front and order the tissue at the same time. But certainly I think it's important as long as you capture all the, the targets that are known for that cancer, I, I don't think it really matters. So just speaking more on NGS, once you get the test results in, do you use any other methods along with it to get the clinical information you need? Yeah, ordering other tests in addition to NGS is really dependent on what the results show afterwards. You know, we often aim to just do NGS because it'll cover all of the targets that we're looking for. But there are some times where certain targets couldn't be done and then you have to order them individually. But I think the most of the time, if you're going to do other things in addition to NGS, it's because you want an answer on those targets before you want them faster uh, because it affects your immediate choice of therapy, right? So things like EGFR, AL, ROS, HER2 new, those are the type of things that you really want up front before waiting for the full panel to come back. So yes, oftentimes we do order those type of testing to be done in addition to NGS and it depends on the cancer. Uh, you touched on the liquid versus tissue with regards to NGS testing. Can you explain the difference between DNA and RNA sequencing and how you use that in your practice? Yeah. So, I mean, this is being worked on last few years because traditionally with next generation sequencing, a lot of the mutations that we were looking for and targeting were DNA based, right? And then came along a lot of RNA fusion type of target. And obviously that can only be done through certain sequencing methods and you can only find some of those targets via RNA based testing. So there were a lot of type of testing in the, in the beginning that wouldn't pick up some of those fusions. And now I think a lot of the vendors are, are doing a good job of trying to get their platform to test for all the possibilities, but it is very important to not only have a DNA based sequencing, but also RNA based to capture all of these mutations. So that is certainly something that when we're choosing tests for our patients, we do make sure that whatever test we use covers both DNA and RNA based targets. So do you always use those tests together generally? You can tell when you look at the vendor and what the testing is, and most clinicians will make sure that like, for example, Entrec and things like that, you make sure that the vendor using can hopefully cover all of it in one test. And, and what's nice about the advancement of the field is most of the ordering has, has really been simplified 
where you're not just checking dozens of different things. Now it's literally one or two boxes and you check full panel and that will include DNA and RNA based tests. There are some vendors that do differentiate the two based on what you're looking for. Some people have had recent sequencing done and that did not include, let's say a few years ago, did not include Entrec. So then when the patient's progressing again, they just want to order Entrec. And so there are some vendors where you can just choose that. So it really depends on what you're looking for. But most of the time when you're ordering next generation sequencing testing, you usually do the whole panel and that will already be chosen for you in terms of DNA and having the RNA components as part of the processing, but you can order them separately. And what information do you get from DNA versus RNA information? Right. And so the, the there's different mutations that are picked up from RNA-based sequencing versus DNA. And if you pick up those mutations, it alters your therapy. So there's certain therapies that can be only given for certain mutations, certain fusions. And some of them are very highly effective therapies. So you want to make sure that you're capturing that. And it's very disease-dependent, right? So what we're looking for in a gastrointestinal cancer may not be the same as lung and, and others that um, have these fusions that you're looking for with RNA-based therapies. And so you kind of have to really think about the patient that's in front of you and what cancer they have and which test you want to order. That's all for this episode of On Call. Subscribe to our channel to get notified when the next episode in this series drops. If you have any questions for today's guests or have a topic you would like to learn more about, email us at oncallgpo at gmail.com. Until next time, stay safe and thanks for listening.